From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Veterans Day edition of Washington Watch, how a nation treats those who have served reveals a lot about the value a nation places on freedom. We're going to talk about that today. We'll uh, also talk with North Carolina Congressman Dr. Greg Murphy, a member of the House Committee on Veterans Affairs, about how the Biden administration is treating veterans. We'll also get the latest on President Biden's Build Government Bigger program, which is again running into trouble after yesterday's dire economic news. Also yesterday, we heard from First Liberty's Mike Berry about the lawsuit filed against the Biden administration by Navy SEALs. The suit is the result of the Navy not approving any religious exemption request over the Biden COVID shot mandate. Given this current mandate, along with the ongoing social engineering happening in our military today, what does the future look like? We'll be joined by our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin later here on Washington Watch. And from coast to coast, border to border, we'll pray together for life on November the 28th. Pray, to, to pray Together for Life is a national prayer gathering in Jackson, Mississippi, three days before the U.S. Supreme Court hears oral arguments in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case that originated in Jackson, Mississippi, over the state's pro-life law. The law significantly restricts abortion after five weeks. Now, this is the case that could overturn Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court decision that made abortion legal in all 50 states back in 1973. I'll be joined by Bishop Ronnie Crudup. He is the senior pastor of New Horizon Church in Jackson, Mississippi, which will be the site of Pray Together for Life. So you don't want to miss that. And yesterday, 10 states filed an additional lawsuit against the Biden administration. This one on the COVID shot mandate for all 17 million healthcare workers working in facilities receiving federal funding under Medicare or Medicaid. Now, suits have already been filed against the OSHA mandate for private employers and the mandate for federal contractors. But the deadlines for workers to be vaccinated or lose their jobs is looming. Now, many Christians who have objections to the vaccine mandate are wrestling with what to do. How do you resolve the conflict between conscience and civil government? And I know how difficult of a position many have been put in by this mandate. I've spoken to many people across the country, and I've had the I've had to help my own daughter walk through this decision. If you or someone you know is wrestling with this very decision, then you'll want to make sure you hear the conversation I have a little later with Pastor, with Professor, rather, Owen Strayan. He is a senior fellow here at the Family Research Council in our Center for Biblical Worldview, and he is a professor of theology. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you missed anything, you can all catch it. You can catch it all later at TonyPerkins.com. The Democrats' over-trillion-dollar infrastructure bill has unfortunately passed both chambers of Congress and at this point is only waiting for the president to sign it. Uh, Barring the end of the world, it's supposed to be signed into law on Monday. But what about the other trillion-dollar progressive wish list, the Build Back Better bill, as it's called? We'll discuss these and more with Congressman Greg Murphy on this Veterans Day edition of Washington Watch. Congressman Murphy serves on the House Veterans Affairs Committee. Uh, He is a medical doctor who practiced medicine before entering Congress. Congressman, welcome back to uh, the program. Hey, Tony. Good afternoon. Let me uh, just ask you first, as a member of the House Veterans Affairs Committee, how have you seen our 
care of veterans. Uh, what's the status of that under this administration? Well, Tony, I uh, I think it's fair. I give it a, a C plus maybe as we're as we're putting forth our, our efforts. You know, I, I am honored to represent a district that has the sixth most veterans in the country, about uh, 95,000. And being a physician of 30 years, obviously those two, uh, two priorities are, are very big ones to me. It's sad that uh, at the beginning of this administration, they, they put a priority of having transgender surgery over one of my priorities in healthcare, and that's the treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury. You know, you look at the number of uh, suicides that are going on in our veterans every day, you know, 17 a day, um, and that number's climbing. And the number of overdose deaths in our veterans, which is actually 65% higher than in the general population, that's where we need to be putting our energies, not into uh, gender reassignment surgery or transgender surgery. It's just, uh, you know, in my opinion, they started off with a very, very poor uh, priority list. And unfortunately, I think that's continuing today. It is unfortunate, as I've spoken to some of your colleagues and others uh, that are involved in veteran care and veterans themselves, those who in particular served in Afghanistan after the debacle of the retreat from Afghanistan, we've seen kind of a spike in uh, veterans dealing with emotional issues. Is the, uh, the Veterans Affairs Department, are, are they responding to this? Well, uh, very interesting, Tony, because I sent a letter to the chair of our um, Veterans Affairs Committee, a Democrat, and asking him to convene a meeting specifically to deal with that and uh, basically did not get a response. That's very, very unfortunate because we had veterans in our community that just recently served in Afghanistan. They knew people who were being left behind. And then we had veterans from other armed services that had served in previous conflicts that were that their emotions ranged from embarrassment to out shock to utter disgust about the way that the Biden administration withdrew from Afghanistan. And the fact that, uh, you know, Biden said we would not leave anybody behind, but in fact he did. And we know that for a fact, we know that there's still hundreds of Americans today still left behind enemy lines. Yeah, people don't realize the, the impact that has emotionally on members of the military who served and lost colleagues. They lost uh, fellow Marines and soldiers. Uh, in those battles, and then to see the United yeah. States pull out the way that they did, it opens up a lot of those wounds, oftentimes that have been undealt with. And uh, so it is is critical. It's 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 a part of it. The Veterans Affairs uh, is is a part of that. Obviously, the faith community has to step in as well. I will say this uh, on behalf of the the, uh, the Veterans Affairs that at least the the director there uh, has just given approval to all. Um, religious exemption requests for those that work within the department who have uh, had concerns about the COVID vaccine mandate. So that's at least there's one department within the federal government that is recognizing uh, these religious exemption requests. Yeah, at least for now. You know, it's sad, Tony, that uh, this administration and other administrations, and I think this is, you know, we and you and I could talk about this for hours, but the very foundation, the Judeo foundation, Judeo-Christian foundation of this nation is being um, pushed aside. And that's why we have such moral relativism, not only in civilian life, but in governmental life. And uh, it's good to see every pocket now and then of some sensibility coming from at least one aspect of, aspect of government. I'm not overly optimistic that that will continue um, because of the federal mandates now in, in some certain aspects in uh, 
in military forces, the SEAL team, uh, for example, they've had uh, problems with this mandate. And let me just make very clear, and I'll just take a quick aside. Um, I, you know, I'm a physician. I've studied the literature. I believe people should be vaccinated. But when we push the government over um, over the individual and you get involved in the doctor-patient relationship, which I believe is a sacred relationship, and you make it between government and citizen, I believe that the government has vastly um, overreached its, uh, its responsibility and its duty for that, for that matter. Well, since you brought that up, let me ask you this question, uh, Dr. Murphy. With uh, 10 states have now filed suit as of yesterday against the mandate for any medical institution uh, or entity that receives Medicaid or Medicare funding, uh, that covers about 17 million healthcare workers. In part, the suit yeah. says this is going to create uh, dire circumstances, especially in rural America, uh, by a, right. the fact that the reality is we already have a shortage. What's your view on that? Well, I, Tony, I thought that was coming because prior to this with the flu vaccine, our institution, um, our medical institution, which is a very large uh, hospital, close to a thousand beds, um, has always mandated the flu vaccine and everybody's done that. However, this is an entirely different set of circumstances. And prior to the, uh, the federal edict last week, they allowed for religious exemptions and they actually also allowed for um, natural immunity. But now the fact that they are ignoring the science of natural immunity is exceedingly troublesome. You know, we, we are in a dire shortage. Uh, you know, we have close to a thousand beds in our hospital, but at any point in time, they're, you know, 100 or 200 closed because we don't have enough nurses. And now we're going to squash out 20% of those who say they just don't want it. They're young, uh, oftentimes female, and are concerned about, which I'm, I have to disagree with, but that still is their concern about the vaccine. It's just, uh, you know, it's sadly that sometimes the other side of the aisle does not think past their emotions and actually think about consequences. We're going to actually cause people kicking them out of their jobs to uh, to lose to lose their jobs, lose their health care, throw them into poverty. And we know that one of the quote words of social determinants of health, things that determine somebody's health, welfare and uh, morbidity and mortality is poverty itself. So we're actually, in, in my opinion, actually going to cause more distress for this nation in a population that oftentimes has minimal, minimal risk um, from this uh, from this virus and cause them much more damage than we, we actually produce um, good. Do you think this is an unintentional consequence that they, they really didn't think through this? Or is this another effort to create a crisis in our health care to give the government more control over it? Well, it's probably a little bit of both, Tony, to be very honest with you. I don't believe they actually think through their consequences of what they do. Look at the inflation. Look at some of the other issues we can talk about. I think they base things, and this is oftentimes a liberal progressive uh, uh, mantra, is they think things emotionally rather than they think about the secondary, tertiary, quaternary uh, consequences. Is this government overreach? Yes, the Biden administration has shown that it cares more about a top-bottom approach rather than a uh, an individual rights approach than anything. They've shown that in so many different sectors here. And this, and pushing it into the healthcare, again, as a physician who advocates for vaccination, is just another example of what they do. Uh, Congressman, I know you're going to have to run in just a minute. we just got a couple minutes with you. But you made reference to the inflation issue. I want to play a, a, a quick clip of the president's chief of staff and what he had to say on MSNBC about the president's plan. Uh, Play clip number three, please. I understand that voters are frustrated. We inherited a mess from Donald Trump. We inherited uh, 4,000 people a day dying from COVID. Uh, We inherited only 50,000 jobs being created a month. Uh, Giant supply chain problems, all these problems. 
I'm proud of the progress we've made in these tense months, these 10 months, but I totally respect the view of the voters that we haven't made enough progress yet, that we have enough, haven't gotten enough done yet. Uh, we got a minute left. I'll give you a quick response to the president's chief of staff. Oh, I, I'll just say two words. Uh, that's tone deaf. Tone deaf. They are totally tone deaf to the facts uh, of what they have caused. I mean, good Lord. Um, and the fact that they've caused so many of these self-inflicted crises, inflation, defund the police, the border crisis, they are tone deaf to not only facts, but more importantly, they're tone deaf to the needs and uh, uh, wants of the American people. And so, you know, I, they're living in a fantasy land. And uh, the American people now, uh, truly, as was evidenced in Virginia, understand that and are fighting back. Yeah, I have more confidence in the American people than I do the Biden administration, to tell the truth. Yeah. Uh, Congressman, yeah. always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for being with us, Greg. Thank you so much, Tony. God bless. Have a good day. All right. Uh, Congressman Greg Murphy of North Carolina. Look, I, there's so much to talk about here, uh, but I'll just the, these guys don't get it. When you look at the president's chief of staff saying that the American people or the people in Virginia responded in the election rejecting Democratic policies by Terry McAuliffe because they didn't have enough Democratic policies from Brock, from uh, Joe Biden. I, tone deaf. That's, as Congressman Murphy said, I think, actually, I don't think it's tone deaf. I think they're just plain deaf. Can't hear at all. All right. When we come back, we're going to be joined by our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. We're back with more Washington Watch right after this. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, We'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview, the Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the Center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. 
At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Veterans Day. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, today we pause to reflect the huge debt, debt of gratitude that we owe to veterans for being a part of defending freedom. They have won and preserved our freedoms. And uh, if you come across a veteran today, I would certainly encourage you to take a moment and thank them for their service. I remember when I first joined the, uh, the Marine Corps uh, post-Vietnam. I served with a lot of guys who had been in Vietnam. And in fact, today, still today, guys who served in Vietnam are still wrestling with the way they were treated when they came home. It, it's encouraging to see how we're treating veterans today, but it's not always been that way. So I encourage you to, uh, to take a moment to thank those who have served in our nation's military. And Joining us now to talk more about this is FRC's own vice president, executive vice president. He's a founding member of the Army's elite Delta Force, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. General, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, Tony. It's, uh, it's really good to be back on on this special day. And, uh, and thank you, sir, for your 36 and a half years of service in the nation's uh, military in the United States uh, Army. Um, let me just start with uh, kind of on the personal side of this. You know, for those in our audience that may not know your story, what initially led you to join the Army? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I grew up in uh, rural North Carolina, and my dad was one of six boys. And uh, five of those boys went off to World War II, and my dad was the only one that was wounded. But uh, they served, and in, uh, in family gatherings, they would talk about their time in the military. They would talk about the things that they did, they saw, uh, and the people that uh, were so special to them. And, and as a result of that, I just sort of decided that it was an expectation by my dad and, and, and the other members of the family that I should serve the nation, even if it was only for you know, one tour or one enlistment or whatever. So uh, I said, I'm going in the military as soon as I, uh, as soon as I'm eligible. And I did right out of Virginia Tech. And when you went and you, you caught the tail end of, uh, of Vietnam, uh, I, I was, uh, I went in in, uh, in the early eighties. So that was, it was over. However, the military's not always been treated, our military veterans have not always been treated well. As, as you heard me say, I recall serving a lot of Vietnam veterans who 
really were, uh, you know, they were not treated well when they came home. So you've seen both the good and the bad of how we've treated our veterans. Um, yeah, what a contrast, Tony. What a what an absolute contrast between uh, getting off the airplane in San Francisco, coming out of Vietnam and being spat on and ridiculed and called baby killers and I mean that was the that was the plight of our uh, Vietnam veterans and it uh, it cut scars very deeply into those people because they left a nation that no longer existed when they came home and uh, and it was heartbreaking for them and many of them are still carrying those scars but then then you go to uh, how they've been treated today as you know, for example, I'm I'm getting ready to get on an airplane here in a minute, and uh, and I guarantee you, if there's anybody on that airplane that uh, the crew is aware of that they are military, they will call their name, and the airplane will applaud. So, uh, America learned something from the way we treated the Vietnam veterans. It was a national disgrace, uh, and now I think we have uh, we have done much better, and you can't make up for for what that we did as a nation in Vietnam uh, in during the Vietnam era regarding our veterans. But you can certainly make sure that no future generation has to endure that. And I, I think that it's, uh, it's a testament for who we are as a nation. John Kennedy says you'll know the character of a nation by the way it treats its veterans. And it certainly is encouraging. It's one of the positive points that we look at when we look at our military. Unfortunately, when we look at what's happening in our military with the social engineering, and yesterday I made reference to this, uh, a, 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 over I think about three dozen Navy SEALs yeah. have had to file a lawsuit against the Biden administration for refusing to even consider their religious exemption request over this COVID vaccine or shot mandate. Uh, yeah. there, there's a lot of problems within the military the way it's being, I guess, engineered socially through these Democratic administrations. That's right, Tony. And there are, you know, they say, well, 80 percent of the military is indoctrinated or or vaccinated. Sorry. But what they don't tell you is that we bullied about half of those. We bullied them into taking this vaccination, even those that had already had covid we bullied them. I can tell you story after story, Tony, of people that have reached out to me and said I was given one hour to make a decision as to whether I was going to start out processing of the of the military or whether I was going to take that vaccine and, and be allowed to stay in. And I got a family and I, I didn't know what else to do. So I took the vaccination. It is bullying. It is bullying. Right. And this president needs to be held accountable. Well, even in the lawsuit that the Navy SEALs filed, they uh, they stated that they were told uh, by the Navy's COVID Consolidated Disposition Authority that if they refuse the vaccine, uh, the Navy may seek to recover from each service member the amount of money that had been spent on their training, which could have been a million dollars or more. I mean, you talk about bullying. Uh, that oh. That's bullying right there. Yeah, or give them a, a dishonorable discharge, which means they're barely even a citizen of the United States anymore. They can't vote, can't own a gun. And, and I, I'll tell you, that is Gestapo tactics. That is, uh, that's, that's Joseph Stalin. Right. I, I mean, I, I tell you, Tony, it upsets me so much. And I'm glad these SEALs are fighting back. God bless them. I've, I've become a big advocate for the SEALs 
because they had the courage to uh, to stand and be counted. And I I hope that this winds up in the Supreme Court and we get a resolution on this that goes in the favor of military readiness and the people that are serving. Well, there are some big problems in our nation's military, and I think to correct them, it's going to require an election and a change of administrations that realize the military is there, as you often say, to fight and win wars. It's not there as a laboratory for their social experimentation. General Jerry Boykin, always great to talk with you. Safe travels today. Thanks, Tony, and uh, thanks for your service as well. Thank you. All right, in less than a month, U.S. Supreme Court will be hearing the most consequential abortion case in a generation. December the 1st, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization will get their day in court. We're going to have a prayer day before then. We're going to talk about it next. Don't go away. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us on this Veterans Day. The website, TonyPerkins.com. In less than a month, the U.S. Supreme Court will be hearing what I believe is one of the most important cases in, you know, could be a century. Uh, On December the 1st, it's the case is called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Now, this comes out of the state of Mississippi, Mississippi passed a law that bans most abortions after 15 weeks. Now, this is, legally speaking, it is a direct challenge of the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision that has resulted in the lost 
the loss of 60 million unborn lives, the taking of 60 million unborn babies, their lives, through abortion. Now, the church has been praying, repenting for abortion, but now, really for the first time in 48 years, before the Supreme Court will be a case that many believe, given the makeup of the Supreme Court, could upend Roe v. Wade and send this issue of abortion back to the states where already, already states have in place trigger mechanism, many states, that would outlaw abortion if given the opportunity by the court. In anticipation of this significant court case, on November the 28th, we will be joining with folks from border to border, coast to coast, to pray for the court pray for those arguing before the court, pray for this issue, pray for our nation. We will be having a prayer gathering. Pray together for life. We will be in Jackson, Mississippi at New Horizon Church, where our gracious host, Bishop Ronnie Crudup, is the senior pastor and the founder of uh, the church, and he joins me now to talk more about this event on November the 28th. Bishop, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, honored to be here. Well, thank you for uh, being willing to host us there in Jackson, Mississippi. In fact, we've already been down there. We had a, a luncheon for pastors and, and a pro-life leaders, and it was a phenomenal event, a very diverse gathering. Um, this issue, when you look at the, at the the church community across ethnic lines, across denominational lines, even across political lines, they're ready to deal with this issue, are they not? I believe they are. Uh, one of the things that I've said to people over and over again, that particularly with the African-American church, the African-American church is predominantly pro-life. Um, you know, sometimes they don't get an opportunity to say that much, as much as maybe they should. Uh, but that meeting that we had was a good indicator of that. Well, it should be. When you look at the, the, the numbers, don't lie. The African-American community has been disproportionately affected by abortion. Uh, when you look at entities like Planned Parenthood and others, they set up their clinics in minority communities. I mean, it is time for the nation to hear, I believe, from the African-American community on this issue of abortion. And, and, and while this isn't a rally, this isn't uh, anything other than a prayer meeting, but it will be a joining together of black, white, Hispanic, uh, of conservative, uh, you know, maybe not so conservative. But we're coming together on one issue, and we're finding unity on this issue of life. Well, I think that's because, um, you know, uh, people, um, they understood that, they understand that their silence has a, uh, uh, of course, uh, affected this. They, they've been complicit uh, in their silence. And now is a, uh, an opportunity, uh, maybe like we have not seen uh, in a long, long time, to affect change in this. And so I believe that that has pulled together a coalition of, uh, of church folk, denominational folk, that uh, also may be unprecedented uh, right. that in the past. Yeah, I think you're you're right. Let me ask you this, uh, Bishop, as a as a pastor, as a spiritual leader, 
the the devaluing of human life that we've seen through abortion. Do you think that's had broader implications for our society? Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I, I think when you devalue the life in the womb, you devalue life across the board. And um, and we certainly have experienced that in the African-American community. Uh, that uh, uh, once again, when you when you devalue life, it doesn't just stay uh, at the womb. Uh, it affects people all across life. And uh, and so this is something as we seek to change violent circumstances in the African-American community. This is one of the places that we affect that change. One final question for you. We're almost out of time, Bishop. Um, is the church ready for the court to upend Roe v. Wade and send this issue back to the states? I believe it is. I, I absolutely believe it is. And uh, and I want to say that, you know, too, uh, you know, for me, uh, this happens happening because of, of something that comes out of Mississippi. Uh, is uh, is uh, uh, once again for me God, okay, uh, as well as quite ironic, uh, and so we believe that change starts in Mississippi. Well, and we pray that it begins in Mississippi as we gather on November the twenty eighth, Bishop. I, I want to thank you for hosting that event, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for your leadership. Well, thank you so much for having me, and uh, we're encouraging everybody to come out and be with us. Uh, at New Horizon on this date. Come on out. That's right. I know we got a lot of listeners in Mississippi. We'll make room for you. And if you'd like more information, no matter where you are in the country about how you can participate, text the word TOGETHER to 67742. That's 67742, the word TOGETHER. And you can find out how you can join me and the bishop on November the 28th. All right, don't go away. We're going to come back with more Washington Watch right after this. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. 
to access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12- to 15-week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com, to all of our veterans who are listening and those who are still in our nation's military, thank you for your service. Uh, It is appreciated. Uh, There are more than you'll ever know Americans who uh, appreciate the sacrifices that you and your families uh, have made for you to serve our country. So thank you, and persevere. I know that right now, especially for those who are in the military, there's a lot of bad things happening. And, well, we know from the Word of God that these things are going to be, um, the situations are going to be bad. Society is going to move in a particular direction that's not positive. And there, there are moments of reprieve where the church's influence has been pronounced over the history of the church. Um in the last 2,000 years, but for the most part, we've seen this progression toward, uh, as as the scripture says, as we move toward these perilous times in the end. But we each have our role to play, and so I would encourage you to persevere and be salt and light where God has called you and God has placed you. And, and again, thank you for your service to our country. Well, speaking of the challenges facing us in this society and the times in which we live, Americans in all walks of life are debating and discussing the Biden administration's various COVID shot mandates. Uh, They say it's not a mandate, but it looks, smells like a mandate, so we call it a mandate. And this is all across uh, American life. In fact, about two-thirds of America's workforce is being forced to choose between a jab or a job. Now, In fact, uh, just as I mentioned earlier, on uh, yesterday, 10 states have filed suit regarding health care workers, 17 million health care workers being swept into uh, the mandate for every institution receiving uh, federal funding through Medicare or Medicaid. It's going to create a crisis in health care. And, of course, the list goes on. We've got uh, private employers with more than 100 employees being forced to. And this is going to force to get the vaccine. This is going to affect supply chain issues. Uh, there are issues about the, the science, you know, some concerned about the consequences of this. It's so new. We're talking about mandates for children just on the horizon. 
as Christians, and this is, uh, if you're not a Christian, you don't want to hear this, it's fine, turn it off. But as Christians, you know, we're called to be obedient to government. And we want to live in peace. We want to pray for our leaders, and we want to live peaceably. And if at all possible, we want to obey government. We don't want anarchy. We don't want to throw off government. But we find ourselves sometimes in situations like this where government is telling us to do something that, frankly, it just it creates a tension because we do not feel, some, I'm speaking for all, do not feel that we can do this in good conscience. So how do we resolve these issues from a biblical perspective? I think that's where we need to go when we're trying to make decisions is go to Scripture and look for those principles that would help guide us through these difficult times. And so that's exactly what we're going to do right now. FRC Senior Fellow at the Center for Biblical Worldview, Owen Strand, joins me now. Um, He is a professor of theology, and we're going to walk through this issue of how do we make a God-honoring decision that at the same time honors our role or is in keeping with our role as citizens of this country. Owen, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much, Tony. Great to be back with you. Well, we've had some discussions about this, but I want to have another discussion because I know right now, I know for a fact that people are having to make this decision, this choice between a a, a job or a jab. Uh, Either they lose their job if they don't get the vaccine, and I I know it's very real. I've just walked my daughter through it as she's trying to make that decision. Many of them wrestling with this from a religious or a conscience perspective. Let's start with what what I just said a moment ago, like in 2 Peter and and, uh, and Timothy, where we're instructed to, if at all possible, we need to obey government. We don't want to be rebellious people. How do we deal with this tension between obedience to those who have authority and our conscience? How do we deal with that? Yeah, we are tempted at many points as Christians to think that we only say one thing, when in reality, the Word of God would have us say two things. So here, we are told by some in the professing evangelical world that what we should do is love our neighbor and basically do whatever the government tells us to do or the the government through our employer tells us to do. And that's the end of the story. That's all there is to be said. There are numerous passages that indicate that Christians take submission to Caesar, submission to governing authorities, very seriously. It's not a small or minor matter for us. In fact, In an even broader sense, we recognize that government is a common grace gift of God. So it's not something that God has has given us to take vengeance upon us, but actually to restrain sin, punish evil, set up a society in a rudimentary form, and so on. But we also recognize that Scripture teaches that government's uh, role is not an absolute role. Christ in Matthew 22, 21 differentiates between God and Caesar, render to God the things that are God's and to Caesar the things that are Caesar. And he is talking there, Christ is, about taxation specifically. So there are certain elements of a citizen's life that they owe to the government, but Caesar's lordship is never absolute. And because we're in a fallen world and because we have fallen governing officials, there are going to be instances for a lot of Christians, and certainly have been in church history, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, where their faith, obedience to God more specifically, uh, comes into conflict with so-called obedience to the state. Uh, 
And we are in just such a situation today. We are in a situation where many Christians do not believe that the Scripture would call them to be vaccinated. That's not a biblical mandate or principle per se. And yet the government through their employer is basically requiring them to do so. And so many Christians are in this tension and they need to hear from us as you and I are trying to articulate that, yes, we obey government as much as possible, but we also recognize there are limits to the extent uh, of our obedience to government. One of the reasons I want to urge extreme caution in how we approach this and we think through it. First off, I've said this many times. I think you and I talked about this last time we were together on this. I'm not against vaccines. Uh, I'm not Mm -hmm. against the the COVID vaccine. I think you need to weigh the risk. If you're in a high risk category and, you know, you could, uh, if you caught it, you have underlying issues and you could, it could take your life. Mm -hmm. I I think you, you need to weigh that talking to your medical, um, you know, personality or your doctor. Um, I've not ha- I've not taken the vaccine because I have natural immunity. I've been tested for the antibodies. I've had COVID. So I, I don't have any reason to get it, especially when you look at the potential side effects of the vaccine that some have had. So yes. I, I just want to put that out there. But here's my concern, Owen, is that with libertarianism, which has kind of infiltrated the conservative movement, it's, it's, it's you know, it's it's almost rebellion. It's just like, you know, you, you tell me to do something, I'm not going to do it. And I think we got to be very careful as that kind of has made its way into the Christian community that we check our heart motive. Is, is this out of a, a sense of rebellion because it's a Democratic president or it's a Republican president and I'm not going to do it because he's not my president? That's dangerous ground for the church. It is, Tony. And honestly, we're all indicted there. Um, it is hard to live under a regime that you don't agree with. That's actually a commonality that probably both left and right can find common ground on. Um, and yet we, we have to confess as Christians that we have a fundamentally different perspective than a libertarian has, because we know where government's origin comes from. We know its charter. We know who holds the title, has the title papers to government, uh, every government on earth, um, and that's God. Government exists to restrain evil. That is why Caesar is here. Caesar is here to create what kind of public order can be created. And so we recognize in Romans 13, 1 through 7, for example, that the government does not bear the sword in vain. Uh, A government is called to be a terror to evildoers, for example, and we're thankful for that. So what that means for us practically, Tony, is that we take government seriously, we take submission to governing authorities seriously, and and we are not quick to try to find any cause we can, you know, oh, no, our local civil authorities switch the color of the, the recycling bins from green to purple. Let's riot. Let's bring it all down. You know, that's not the kind of mentality that Scripture is speaking of when in Acts 5.29, the apostles and disciples tell us that they must obey God rather than men. No, there's a ton of things that we might rather be different as Christians, but we just live with it, man. We just go with it, and we seek to embody a godly spirit. Then there is a category of much more important matters, and that's where these kind of things have to be sorted out carefully. And and as we approach them, it, it should be with, I, I'm asking, I'm putting this in the form of a question, but should it not be approached with some reluctance? Oh, definitely. Um, 
it's a hard thing to have uh, vaccine mandates, for example. And those who I have communicated with, whose employers are basically forcing them to get the jab, are, are expressing that reluctance because they don't want to go against their employer. They don't want to go against the president and presidential administration to whatever degree that's obtaining here. Um, they, they don't want to be in jeopardy. They, they want to be a good citizen. As you alluded to earlier at the beginning of this broadcast, uh, uh, podcast, um, broadcast, we believe in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5, we believe as Christians that we do want to lead a quiet life and we pray for governing officials, kings and rulers and all who are in authority. And so we're not seeking to be clamorous fundamentally. We're not seeking to, to bring it all down. We are trying as much as we can to submit to governing authorities and to display a spirit that is reasonable and quiet and calm and self-controlled, the fruits of the spirit. And yet, again, there are going to be moments when uh, that spirit is sorely tested, and we're in one such moment now. Okay, Dr. Strand, we just have a few minutes left. I, I just want you to kind of walk someone through this process. They're trying to make this decision uh, as to whether or not they comply or they exercise the right of religious exemption or conscience, walk them through that process, what that looks like from a biblical perspective. Fundamentally, they're in a state of freedom, as I understand this. I am not in the chorus of evangelical thinkers and voices who say, in order to love your neighbor, you have to do whatever the government says. We have a posture of respect toward government that you and I have been carefully mapping out here. But fundamentally, the love of neighbor is dependent upon the love of God. Love of God means standing upon God's truth and loving God with your whole person. Loving neighbor then means reaching out to your neighbor, standing upon that truth uh, out of a desire to see them, Lord willing, drawn to God. So fundamentally, we are not starting from any pressure here, uh, though some would tell us we need to love our neighbor by getting the jab. We have freedom. The Christian has freedom. Our bodies are not our own. Our bodies were bought at a price, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. So we're under the lordship, not of Caesar, ultimately. We're under the lordship of Christ. Every person, I believe, has the freedom to make up their own mind on this. Uh, we're all deep in everybody else's medical history right now. We're all up in everybody else's files. And it's really strange, prurient, and inappropriate today. We have freedom if we feel like we should get the vaccine, we have freedom to do so, I believe. We should take into account fetal stem cell research and these sorts of very concerning realities, and yet we do have freedom. I have friends and family members who have gotten the vaccine for some of the reasons you mentioned earlier. But then there are religious exemptions or conscious exemptions for those, at least in a good number of instances, who do not feel that they should get the vaccine. And what they should hear from us, or at least from me, is that there is no biblical pressure upon them to get this vaccine or any other vaccine, and there certainly is no pressure to get it uh, for their children when it is untested and unproven. So it is entirely appropriate to file suit, to get a re religious exemption, get a, whatever exemption you can get, uh, or to lose your job if you need to uh, along these lines. You are not constrained to do what Caesar says you must do in this instance. You are constrained to treat your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, and to make the best decision you possibly can. And Christians will disagree somewhat on this matter. The key is that we all recognize that we're under the lordship of Christ and we have freedom on matters like this. The, the flip side of that being, uh, with the exception of those vaccines that we know were made with uh, fetal tissue, I, I would have an issue with that, but there's some were not. Um, is there freedom then for those who feel like they, they need to get this vaccine? 
uh, that they're free to do so. I think so. Yes, I do. I've had I've had family members, uh, loved family members close to me get the vaccine because they're in that category that you mentioned. They are at risk. Now, we're, we're processing all of this in real time for really the first time, such that we don't know whether this vaccine is going to end up helping people, as our government has told us beyond a shadow of a doubt, that it will. So I do believe, to be honest, there is some cause for deep thinking and even a little bit of skepticism about the efficacy of the vaccine based on what we are seeing. Nonetheless, right. if a Christian believes they should get it for because they're an at-risk member of the population or something like that, I think a case can be viably or, made for that to or happen. Or if they're going if, if to lose their job and they're going to provide for their family? Yes, I don't think they should get it if they are uh, violating their conscience. But if it doesn't violate their conscience, then I, I do think they can get it. Yes. I, I, w- I would agree with that. I think that's yeah. what it comes down to is where you feel the Lord is leading you. It, it's unfortunate that our own government... Uh, which is ordained by God, as you pointed out, is putting so many people in these situations. Uh, Dr. Strand, we're, we're out of time. Uh, we could talk about this all day because I, I think it's so important what Scripture has to say about these big issues of our day as we make these decisions. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Tony. Appreciate you. Folks, and thank you for joining us as well. And I, I, I do pray that you will uh, think through these difficult decisions prayerfully. And uh, as you do, you'll make a decision that will be honoring to the Lord. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 